0: Hey, y'all. Hope everybody's doing great.
1: Veg-cast.
0: And I hope you're ready for VegCast 108. Veg-cast. A full menu from first to last. Veg-cast. Yes, it is another full menu of Veggie Podcastery from VegCast. Veg-cast hailing from Philadelphia. And we do sometimes... Do interviews having to do with things in the Philadelphia vegetarian and vegan scene. And this time out, we are going to be talking with Nicole Marquis, who is the owner of a Philly Phenomenon, a new fast food vegan restaurant called Hip City Veg that has uh, caught fire on Rittenhouse Square. Well, not literally, obviously, but has really uh, hit it off with the lunch crowd and uh, is really changing a lot of people's ideas, I think, about what vegan fast food is and what the possibilities of vegan food are. So we're going to be talking with her. We're also going to hear a track from a band called the Dropa Stone, which has an interesting background to the name, and they have uh, an interesting sound as well. You could classify them as a jam band, but they have uh, a lot of elements of blues and psychedelia and different things. I think you're going to enjoy that. We also have a science fact. This one about the psychology of meat-eating and how it uh, may interfere with correct assessments of animal sentience. All that's coming up, and I invite you to sit back, relax, crank it up, as we deliver to you this 108th episode of VegCat. VegCast 108 is sponsored by Tofurkey, creating delicious, innovative, and affordable meat alternatives from non GMO organic soybeans since 1980. And we're going to get right to our interview with Nicole Marquis. I just wanted to give you the background. If you're not in Philadelphia or from Philadelphia, you may, it's possible, I guess, that you're unaware of. Uh, the Horizons and Veg kind of institutions here that Rich Landau and Kate Jacoby have created, uh, first out in Willow Grove and then in town since 2006. And uh, this is kind of, in a way, a spinoff of that in that Nicole uh, started out here in Philadelphia as a a house manager at Horizons and then uh, went on to start this business and tapped Rich Landau himself to create the menu, which may be one reason why this food is so good. But uh, we'll let Nicole explain that in this interview right now. Okay, right now we are speaking with Nicole Marquis, the owner of Hip City Veg, a new phenomenon in <laughs> Philadelphia and <in> fast food <laughs> vegan eating. Nicole, welcome to VegCast.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Vance.
0: Thank you. And uh, it's I'd call it a phenomenon because it is something that you kind of thought of doing and you were going to kind of ease into it but it just exploded like from the first day uh and we'll get to some of that but let's let's go back 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 in time okay uh and you were a uh, a manager at horizons the old venerable horizons from which many different things around town have seemed to have sprung um at what point did you first start thinking about having your own establishment? I mean, was it before that? Was it by virtue of work, working at Horizons? Did you start talking to Rich about it? How did it, how did that all work out?
2: Yeah, well, um, it definitely, I had the idea before working with Rich. Um, I was living out in California and this is happening out there already. It's happening and spreading fast and, you know, a lot of places from California will be out here soon, but um So, living there, I was studying uh, classical drama, studying Shakespeare, and was traveling to Europe to perform, and living in L.A. um, Really had a passion for nutrition, and um, when I, you know, like every good actor, I ended up in the restaurant business, and loved it, you know, I love the fast pace, it really is like a show, Uh, you know, lights and action, (laughs) you know, Um, back of the house, front of the house, so... um, had a little experience managing restaurants and when I decided to move back home to Philadelphia, um, I met Rich and Kate um, and then we decided I'd start working for them as their front of the house manager. It was um, the best decision I ever made because Rich and Kate are unbelievable people and um, I learned a lot from Kate about how how to manage the front of the house. and. And Rich really inspired me with his his different creations. You know, at night he would have um, different meals for the staff mm-hmm. um, to try, and I mean each and every one of them. It was off the menu, each and every one of them. I was like, this could we could sell this too? Like every one All of right. them was just unbelievable. So, um, so he never. I mean,
0: you I, one pictures. Rich is just constantly. Creating and inventing things, but you're, there wasn't, there weren't times when he would put something out and say, "What do you think of this?" You go, uh, "Sorry, that is okay. a swing and a miss."
2: <laughs> you know what? It never happened. Yeah, it, okay. every <laughs> single time was a hit, and okay. um, <clears throat> so I knew I wanted to work with him even after I left Horizons. Um, and but before I made it to Horizons, I really saw a, a need for this kind of food. Um, you know, traveling, I couldn't find anything to eat. Um, it would always, it would always be a hassle to go out with everyone to have, you know, a decent vegan meal or plant-based meal. And, um, I thought, well, there's a real need in the marketplace. Let me, let's see if I can design something up and, and provide that.
0: Okay. Now, let me just pick up on one thing you said, a decent vegan meal, and then you corrected yourself, kind of, huh? to say a plant-based meal. And we'll will drop Rich soon, but I'm wondering, um, you know, did he, like, impress on you, don't ever use the word vegan? Because I know that this is something that that he has uh, kind of taken and, and done, and, and I noticed Hip City Veg never says vegan, and there are people that say... Well, that's that's great because then you don't scare people away. There are other people that say, "Well, vegan is always going to be kind of scary until we normalize it." So, what's your take on that? And how much of that did you hear from him, and how much did you just say, "Well, I'm going to do it this way"?
2: You no, know, uh, Rich, Rich doesn't shy away from using the word vegan. He um, even his his cookbook is New Vegan Cuisine. That's true. So, so he does use that word and proudly, I think, and um, you know, I mean, it's obvious. It seems like everyone that's opening something vegetarian or vegan's coming one at one point in their lives worked with Rich. So, <laughs> um, he's really like the, the center of it all, the nucleus of it all. Um, but no, he doesn't shy away from that. I, I, I do. Um, I'm proud to be vegan and I, I think vegan is, uh, um, the right lifestyle choice for me. Um. But I think there's a lot of uh, connotations that go along with it, and it's a lifestyle, too. It's an ethical choice. Um, And I wanted to really take that away from the food. I didn't want to mix the two, because Mm -hmm. nobody wants to go in when they're hungry and have 30 minutes to eat lunch, but be stopped by somebody preaching about, you know, factory farming. Although, that's such an important part for me.
1: Yeah.
2: I just didn't want it to be... I didn't think it was necessary to be part of my brand. What my brand really is, is about delicious food that just happens to be vegan. Mm -hmm. Or, like I say, plant-based. A lot of people also don't really know what vegan is, Mm I find. I I found in just conversation. You know, I get questions. Well, what does that mean? What can you eat? Can you eat flour? Can you eat... You know? And so there are a lot of um, myths and, um, you know, just... Different perceptions out there. Plant-based for me was really simple and clean and okay. easy. Mm-hmm.
0: Great. Well, let's talk about the food. Uh, you have it's it's basically kind of a fast food type place. You got a lot of burgers, uh, a cheese steak. Uh, you have some salads. You have noodle salads and things. What uh, first of all, uh, what has been kind of taking off there, and what uh, what have you have you already started thinking about? tinkering with with your menu or are you mm-hmm. sticking with it for the long haul or what's what's up with the food yeah.
2: well you know as far as tinkering with it consistency is so important to me so you know when it, i i really appreciate when i go into a restaurant and i can get um you know a veggie sandwich on monday and it's the exact same veggie sandwich on friday mm-hmm. you know so consistency is really important and i i wanted and that's part of the model to really have a set menu mm-hmm. that people can rely on Um, and that's part of our expansion plan too, to be able to replicate that, um, in other areas. Um, so, but as far as our bestsellers, uh, our crispy hip city ranch, I think by far is right now our bestseller, um, which I kind of knew it's just, it's so familiar, but it has this fresh element to it and uh, the peppercorn ranch sauce is really just off the charts delicious.
0: Yes, it is. I <laughs> had you. that my very first time there, so I feel like I called it. <laughs> I knew that that was going to be the thing.
2: Thank you. <laughs> I Thank mean, you. I was
0: there on the first day, so... Uh, That's awesome. You know. And you, you also, let me just talk about the aspect. I mean, you're not just doing junk food, because you, you do kind of, uh, as fast food goes, it's obviously... You know, it's zero cholesterol, it's plant-based, and so forth. Um, So it's going to be healthier than your average fast food. But you also, you have little things like you have the groovy, you know, somebody can get a burger and a smoothie, which is kind of people hadn't previously thought of as really something that would go together. Right. But just talk about how some of the stuff that you're doing with that and some of the more um, (laughs) eco-friendly aspects of
2: it. Yeah. You know, I wanted someone to to come into the restaurant and really be able to get something savory and satisfying. But I also wanted, you know, if there was a group coming in for someone who wanted something very light and also satisfying, but yet, um, you know, let's say they're watching their calories or, um, you know, they want something really green, then they have the green smoothie to be able to choose from and the green lemonade and, and, um, various salads that we have. So, Although I I wanted the menu to be really focused, um, I knew that there were so many different people interested in this kind of food for various reasons. Um, so you get the guy who's coming in, who's a a devout meat eater, um, doesn't want to sacrifice taste, uh, but you know, is watching his cholesterol and Mm -hmm. watching his weight and there he can get a crispy hip city ranch. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you have, uh, you know, the other person who has already been eating this way forever and they don't have time to make green smoothies at home, but they want to drink one every day. So that's really what I I wanted to be able to offer with the menu. But as far as the compostable and the whole eco-friendly, um, aspect of it, it's just so important to me. And it goes hand in hand with the plant-based menu. I think mm-hmm. um, And also with my personal, my vegan lifestyle, um, I became vegan because uh, you know, it was a, it was a journey, it was an evolution. First, because of health reasons, selfishly, all about me. you know I wanted sure. to, you know to improve my health. And then I realized the effect that it had on the environment
1: mm-hmm.
2: dramatically could have could reduce your carbon uh, footprint just by eating a meatless meal. You know, and then um, you know, became about ethics, about animal rights. Mm-hmm. So, um, but apart for the environmental reason, you know, I think businesses. I, why not do it this way? It's cost. It costs a lot of money. It does to be able to get all compostable materials, and then again to compost those materials. Right. Um, but I think in the long run, in the long run, people are really going to appreciate it. I've noticed. We want to feel good, not only about, you know, feeling good about what we just ate, but feeling good about what we bought and where we're spending our money. Um, I know I do when I walk into a place and I see that they've, that the, you know, the owners have paid attention to all the different details that go into um, reducing waste and supplying fresh foods. You know, that matters to me, and that's why, you know, I want to talk to everyone else.
0: Okay, well, and, uh, I mean, you did mention that it was kind of a, you know, a, a risk that you were getting all of this uh, kind of expensive setup, but then the place took off from the first day and the first week. You've been open about a month now, and, uh, you know, in the first few days, you were, like, kind of running around mm-hmm. like crazy yeah. to try to deal with all the demand that was coming in, are you in a groove now, are you like settled in for the long haul, are you still learning things every day, or how is that going?
2: Oh, absolutely, learning things every minute, (laughs) so, um, but yeah, Vance, it was crazy that first week, first three weeks. Um, We've hit a month now, Mm -hmm. so we're in a little bit more of a groove, we have a phenomenal staff. I don't know how Lauren Hooks and I were able to attract such dedicated
0: people. Lauren Hooks is your chef?
2: She's the head chef, yep. And she manages the kitchen. Um, But definitely, definitely learning. What I'm finding is that um, the space, you know, the space is small for the demand. um, But we're we're managing and we're... um, you know, it's logistics, reevaluating the space, reevaluating systems every day. And we couldn't have done it without the dedication that we're finding, you know, with all our cooks and, and the staff. It's just wonderful.
0: Okay. Um, all right. Well, we're, we're about out of time. Okay. But uh, just uh, earlier on, you talked about your, your kind of long-range expansion plan. And you also mentioned, you know, places from California that where this kind of thing is already more established mm-hmm. are going to be showing up here. Um, so I want to just kind of ask the big-picture question of when and how you think, like, the concept of a vegan fast food chain is going to really take hold in America, and are you perhaps going to be the one that makes it happen?
2: <laughs> I think I think America's ready. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I wasn't 100% sure, but after we opened the doors a month ago, we're now, we're now sure. You know, mm-hmm. And it's all different types of people. It's not vegans. I mean, vegans come to us far and wide. They travel to get to us because, you know, the limited options. But it's just, you know, all a range of different people are really looking for a fresh take on convenient food. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, I say convenient food because, you know, let's face it. We have a half hour for lunch. You know, we have to run and do a 100 things after work, um, and, you know, cooking's not always an option. So, but yeah, I think America's totally ready, I, and I'm excited to be part of it. I encourage, you know, I can't wait to the businesses from California come out. I mean, it's all about fellowship and really creating awareness. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like McDonald's and Burger King did yeah. for the fast food industry, maybe Hip City Veg and someone else will. The vegan okay. fast food industry. All right.
0: But you said uh, in a previous interview you were at least going to try to get this space established for a year before you started thinking about where you would expand. Um, but I want to just put in now that Manium could sure use uh, another hip city veg when you're you think? ready to go out there.
2: You know, someone else told me that. Oh, all right. I know. We're in it.
0: Awesome. Thank <laughs> okay. you. Okay. Well, Nicole Marquis. Thank you very much, and uh, best of luck to you and to Hip City Veg, and thanks for joining us on VegCast.
2: Thanks so much, Vance, for having me.
1: excited
0: The Dropa Stone with Salsa Verde. The band was formed five years ago by John Myers and Joe Laterman. They have a new album just came out in March called Starry Messenger. Uh, their CD release party was at the House of Blues, and they'll be making marquee appearances at the Florida Music Festival and Jam Bando. And more salient for VegCast listeners, they are the first band to be sponsored by Tofurkey. So they're kind of of special interest to us. And you can check uh, thedropastone.com We'll have that link in our show notes and you can find out more about the name The Dropastone and the controversy surrounding this concept which I was unfamiliar with until I heard of this band and uh, it's a fascinating legend or history or some might even call it science fiction But now it's time for us to turn from science fiction to the science. Our science fact for VegCast 108 Meat Eaters Downplay Animal Minds. Now, this headline, of course, is not news to most of us who have ever tried to argue or even discuss. Uh, animal minds, animal sentience, uh, the value of animal lives with somebody who is committed to eating meat. Uh, But this uh, little write-up from Psychology Today talks about a study that sheds some light on the cause and effect there. Um, And before we get into that article, I will say that this is not the study from Brigham and Women's Hospital that uh, found those consuming the highest amounts of saturated fat, most prevalent in animal foods, had the worst cognition and memory. That may be another cause and effect aspect that we need to look at. Uh, They looked at 6,000 women over 65 in that study, and uh, perhaps we could ascribe it to just uh, meat eaters having uh, diminished mental faculties from the effects of so much saturated fat. But this... uh, this study provides more of a uh, psychological angle as uh, the write-up here goes. An interesting paper in the February 2012 issue of Personality and Social Psychology Bulletin by Brock Bastian, Steve Lownen, Nick Haslam, and Helena Radke suggests that when people eat meat, they tend to downplay the minds of the animals that they eat. In one simple study, the researchers asked meat-eating participants to rate how willing they were to eat a variety of animals ranging from houseflies to fish to chicken to elephants to gorillas. They also rated how strongly each of these animals had a number of mental abilities, such as feeling hunger fear, and pain, and having self-control and planning abilities. There was a systematic relationship between the animals people chose to eat and their beliefs about the minds of the animals. People were much less willing to eat animals that they believe have complex mental abilities than to eat animals that do not have complex minds. Of course, the Psychology Today writer continues, this alone might just mean that the animals that people choose to eat are the ones that are not so smart. In another study, meat eaters were asked to think about cows and sheep. Some of them thought about these animals living an idyllic life on a farm. Others thought specifically about these animals growing up on a farm and then being killed for food. Later, they also rated the mental abilities of the animals. When people thought about the animals as food, their ratings of the mental abilities of the animals were lower than when they thought about the animals just living on a farm. It isn't just Thinking about animals being used for food, though, in one final study, all of the participants had to write about the process of raising and butchering animals for food. All of the participants thought they were going to do a food sampling task after writing the essay. Half of the participants were told they would be eating fruit during the food sampling, while others were told they would be eating beef and lamb. Finally, participants rated the mental abilities of cows and sheep. The group that was about to eat meat— gave much lower ratings of the mental abilities of cows and sheep than the group that was about to eat fruit. Um, And, of course, these are all meat-eaters. Let's remind ourselves. So it's not like they happen to just, uh, you know, people happen to self-select according to what kind of uh, food sampling they were hoping on. They were assigned this among uh, a group of meat-eaters, half-eating fruit, half-eating meat, and those expecting to eat meat— apparently because they were expected to eat meat, uh, thought of animals as having diminished mental abilities uh, compared to those that were not going to eat meat. So uh, I guess I don't need to go on very long about this. This uh, writer has pretty much summed it up. Uh, But it does look like there is actually a cause-and-effect relationship there where eating meat, if it doesn't make you stupid, it does make you unfairly insensitive to animals and inaccurate about uh, what level of sentience animals might have. And that's uh, the kind of insight that you get when we read to you the Science Fact. And and that is about going to do it for VegCast 108. But I want to remind you once again that VegCast is sponsored by Tofurky, creating delicious, innovative, and affordable meat alternatives from non-GMO organic soybeans since 1980. And you may recall that Seth Tibbet told us about uh, some new products coming on to grocery store shelves, including a, a ground beef analog and uh, Tofurky hot dogs. I finally have seen those in my local Whole Foods and uh, you can look for those too if you're looking for something to throw on the grill this summer and I'll let you get out to the grill and we will get out of here. Yes, that's VegCast 108 and I do want to thank Nicole Marquis for taking time out from her Hectic schedule at Hip City Veg to sit and talk with us about how that uh, restaurant got established, where it's going. And of course, I also want to thank the Dropa Stone for giving us permission to play Salsa Verde on this VegCast. And of course, I want to thank you, the VegCast listener, for downloading and subscribing. You can subscribe at iTunes and other. Podcast venues, and until next time, please get out there and live like you mean it.